Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Welcome to the Broad Japan Podcast, probably the best way of learning about life in Japan without actually being in Japan. I'm your host, Chris Broad, and we're joined, as always, by England's top Japan enthusiast, Mr. Pete Donaldson. Pete, how the devil are you doing in your glue chair? I'm in my big glue chair that just looks like, it just looks like I've had a, I've had a right old evening. It's <laughs> <laughs> just an absolute mess on this chair, honestly. Um, yeah, I'm good. Uh, I'm, I'm, if anyone's got any, um, uh, got any suggestions on how I remove, uh, adhesive spray from, from a, a leather chair, uh, that would be great because, um, it's, it's, it's annoyed me that I, I don't normally get annoyed about destroying things that I own because, uh, that, that's kind of my bag anyway. I enjoy breaking things left, right, <laughs> and center, but, uh, this, uh, this has hurt me. This one's got to me, Chris. <laughs> oh, for those that missed Never Sunday's mind. episode, Pete was spraying some adhesive over his wool and it somehow ended up on his brand new billion dollar chair. And it's, brought, <laughs> it's been a bit of a downer. Been a bit yeah. of a downer on Pete's new studio. Real Debbie Downer. Real Debbie Downer. Oh, man. Yeah. So, um, Chris, something I spotted on your Instagram uh, this week was, oh, uh, or last week, was um, some people um, singing Too Much Volcano at karaoke. <laughs> How cool is it's, that? It is so cool, yeah. I, uh, some a, a girl sent me a video singing Too Much Volcano in a karaoke room. I don't know how she did it. <laughs> I don't know how it got there. I guess it yeah. kind of, I didn't realise, but because the, the music video has subtitles on it, you mm. can actually do a good bit of karaoke. And she was having a right old time. It actually looked kind of fun. Yes. She was dancing along. It was, it was great. I was very humbled. So well, I, guess, we... I guess technically a lot of um, karaoke places, I mean, they, they probably wouldn't differentiate between um, songs that are, you know, released by, I don't know, your Taylor Swifts, your Kanye Wests, um, and, and one, because you're in the same chart, you've clearly charted at a certain position. So they probably, every week, they probably just take a draw of like the top 100 songs in every country. So you may very well find yourself on one of these, uh, on one of these systems uh, sometime soon. I don't know how I feel about that, to be honest. <laughs> I feel pretty. I mean, we've got we've got a, a top a top fifteen hit on iTunes singles chart. Seems like the next yeah. natural stage. It's yeah. become a karaoke classic up there with "Living on a Prayer" and anything the Spice Girls did, which are the two <laughs> things you've got to sing when you get a karaoke. But uh, yeah. yeah, I was pretty happy with that. It's pretty happy. Yeah, I um, should be. It's important to point out as well. At this point last uh, on the Sunday's episode, we talked about Richard Branson and we talked about England. Uh, but unfortunately, because we've done these two podcasts back to back, it's still Sunday here. We're recording this a little bit in advance. <laughs> so not only do we not know the outcome of the England game versus Italy, we don't know the outcome of Richard Brunson's space flight. So hopefully it all went well <laughs> and he landed yeah. safely and 
England won. <laughs> you look so worried. One. You look well, so scared. worried. I love it. Hedging your bets. I know it's. A, I know it should be safe. I know it's, it's going to be a safe flight. But like, yeah, there's I, a I certain bit well. of risk involved, isn't there? I guess. There is. I just, there I, is. I just like. I just like the fact that you're in a situation where maybe we could sort of record different, you know, choose your adventure situations. Like, well done to England who scored in the twenty first minute <laughs> right. through Harry Kane. So, <laughs> if, yeah, if, you're to, if you're listening to us talking now, it means everything went well. Um, you know, the England team survived, and so did Richard Branson. If you're not listening to this, something horrible went wrong somewhere it. or another. Yeah, and it's, it's gone. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's an awkward. It's the trouble with recording these things in advance. You never know what could happen. What's going to happen? We yeah. stop worrying about billionaires. They're fine. They've got the best cons. They've got the best. Um, well, he won't be if that bloody possible. spaceship goes wrong, will he? <laughs> Eighty kilometers high in the sky. Yeah, that right. goes well. He's all right. He's all right, Richard Branson. Well, <laughs> actually, no, I don't know. Anyway, before we get into Richard Branson's is Richard money, Branson good? <laughs> yeah, is Richard Branson good? That's the topic for another day. We've got a story right here from. Uh, it just says redacted, so I'm guessing they want oh. to know. It just says redacted yes. from Ireland. So hello from hello redacted <laughs> from Ireland. Or just yeah, hello Chris and Pete. My question is why have they redacted it? Uh, the title of the Ooh. story it says accidental theft, which is always a red flag. <laughs> accidental <laughs> accidental theft. Yeah, um, huh. no wonder it's redacted. Hi Chris and Pete, redacted from Ireland here. Big fan of the podcast. Um, it's very strange writing this email. Uh, because I can't help but internally narrate it in Chris's voice. And every now and then, Pete's beautifully musical accent. A musical Ooh. accent, Pete. I spent a, a couple of weeks I spent a couple of weeks travelling around Japan in twenty eighteen with some friends and was lucky enough to visit to visit the island of uh Itsukushima, home to the Miyajima Shrine or the Itsukushima Shrine, just outside of Hiroshima. Um we decided to climb up the small mountain on the island and get the chairlift down after a roughly two hour walk. We reached the summit just as the sun was setting, only to realise the chairlift had finished for the day and would have to walk down the entire path in the dark. Oh, God. Every time I go to that damn island, Miyajima, I walk down it and I think, oh, I only <laughs> take half an hour and it takes like two hours. And it's not a route you want to do in the dark either. Have you, have you been no. to Miyajima on your I main I think travels? I have, actually. It's one of, the, one of the few places I have been to, I think. It's the one with the, the iconic like shrine in the sea, the Itsukushima Shrine. Right, the okay. Gate. Oh, Maybe probably like the most <laughs> iconic Japan site, I guess it's on every mm. guidebook, um, along with that pagoda, Chunedo pagoda in uh, Fuji. But we continue. Uh, the trip was pretty uneventful. We kept ourselves entertained by singing Japanese theme tunes like Pokemon and One Punch Man, much to the confusion of some other tourists we passed by along the way. As we wound our way down the mountain path with only the lights of our phones to guide us, we came across a couple of old Shinto shrines nestled in the mountains. On a small, tone, on a small stone table between the two temples, there sat a large bowl with a lot of coins in it and a few dozen small, seemingly handmade clay statues with the hands clasped together clasped together in prayer being the ignorant foreigners that we are we thought oh it must be some sort of souvenir that you can buy from the temple <laughs> there was that was a pretty big assumption there was nobody around to ask so we figured it was a kind of faith faith-based transaction uh similar <laughs> to in the countryside where farmers would leave eggs for sale in a box and people put the money in the box a sort of honesty box mm. it's a pretty normal thing in rural ireland and so we each put thousand yen in the bowl 
thinking it would be more than enough to cover the cost and took one of the statues with us down the mountain. We managed to make it back to the port for the last ferry that night and made our way back to Hiroshima safely. Towards the end of our trip, when we were on the other side of the country, we learned that these statues were not, in fact, purchasable souvenirs and were actually uh, Jizor prayer statues. People would make them to offer protection to those that were travelling on the mountain path to honour someone who had passed away during their pilgrimage or sometimes by parents who had lost a child prematurely. We'd inadvertently stolen a significant religious artefact or even worse, we may have stolen someone's entire gravestone. None of us were particularly religious or superstitious, but the thought of dishonouring the dead or causing any grief to the creator of the statue was unbearable. We all felt terrible and wanted to return it straight away. But our flight home was the next day. We never made it back across <laughs> the country in time, and we could hardly ask a complete stranger to return it for us, uh, as none of us could speak Japanese well enough. So we realised there was nothing we could do, and I decided to bring it home with me for the, for the time being, so that when I return to Japan, the first chance I get, I would return the little guy to his rightful home. Wish me luck in my own journey across Japan, the pilgrimage of forgiveness. I'll be sure <laughs> to let you know how I get on. All the best, guys. Redacted. Redacted from Ireland. Good oh old redacted. God. I think this is how um, a lot of the trinkets and uh, keepsakes uh, that can be found in the British Museum, that's how we got those by accident. We, <laughs> we, we turned it up. We were like, oh, do you want us to have this? Yeah, yeah, we're just taking it. Uh, and now it's in the museum. Oh, <laughs> oh man. It's just, it's, yeah, that's exactly how it happened. I mean, <laughs> I, uh, I, I don't know what I would have done in this situation. I'd probably done the same. I'd be like, oh, I'll just return it when I come back. Um, what would you have done, but Pete? Never came back. I probably would yeah, have posted it. Really? I think with a with a heartfelt uh, letter and 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 loads of money as well to apologise. <laughs> but I wonder what the actual um, statue was like about. Like, I wonder what it was like in tribute to. Worrying. I mean, that's bad karma, isn't it? I mean, looking at it, there is a photo, and it's like a little baby with beads around it. So mm. probably something to do with fertility. I don't know. Right. I, I love the idea of like a monk, if you'd stolen it, a monk sitting there just getting a, a package with the, with the statue in, just a big letter with one word saying, Chigaimas! And then, <laughs> and then the guy being like, where the hell's this come from? <laughs> oh, yeah, it's the one someone stole three years ago. Yeah, um, it's in yeah, bits. <laughs> I, it's, it's probably sad to think the monk went, oh, there's bloody foreigners stealing things again. Mm. But uh, it was a dishonest mistake. We've all been there. <laughs> I don't think I've been there. I don't think I've stolen anything. I'm, I'm a good yeah. Have you stolen anything, Pete? No, time. I try not to. Uh, I, I think I probably walked home with someone else's umbrella uh, outside the shops. <laughs> I've definitely done that a few times. That's a given, isn't it, though? Mm. That is just a given in Japan. You're always going to get someone else's umbrella. Um, speaking of heinous crimes, we've got statue theft. We've got umbrella theft. And now we've got putting out the Olympic torch with a water pistol. Um, as we've talked about heavily on the podcast over the last few weeks and months, Nobody wants the Olympics. About five people want it. Uh, and so the Olympic Flames have been doing the rounds around the country in the recent uh, recent weeks. And just this week, a 53-year-old, Kayako Takahashi, uh, from, I think, Hitachi in, uh, where is it? Ibaraki Prefecture, just north of Tokyo. Right. Uh, the old torch came past her and she pulled out a pretty paltry water pistol, to be fair. It wasn't the Super Soaker 3000. If you want to get the job done, invest in the right tools. And she just sprayed the uh, the torch, gave it a few squirts to try and put it out. It didn't work. And all that happened was she got shouted at and uh, lots of security people were angry at her. Um, but uh, I don't know. I think a lot of people were like kind of sympathetic towards her, um, given that um, 
now that there's yet again um, an up an upsurge in uh, in cases in Japan, and unfortunately, just this week they've banned spectators at the Olympics, making the Olympics mm-hmm. pretty much pointless even more. I mm. think a lot of people would be sympathetic to the uh, the soaking of the torch. At the same time, I feel bad for the people running around with the torch. You know, it's a big moment for them. They've been waiting, you know, years for this moment, and um, it's all been pulled out from underneath them. And then the final insult, getting sprayed with a little bit of water. What do you make of it, Pete? Was it justified? <laughs> well, my, uh, my, mate, my mate is uh, flying out to uh, do some filming for... Um a TV show at the Olympics and he's just being ferried back from hotel to, uh, to, to the, to the stadiums and then back again. Um, and oh, I was man. like, would I want to do that? And I was thinking, no, I don't think I would. <laughs> Sounds a bit miserable to be honest. Awful. <laughs> do you remember that time we had a, um, a listener who was a steward, a steward, I think on a, mm. on a I think it was Emirates or something. And, uh, or KLM. Situation, yeah. Yeah, so he he would fly to Japan like every other day for the flight, and then he'd be put up in a hotel in Osaka, but mm. like he couldn't leave the hotel. So he he'd be in Japan like every other week, but he couldn't touch Japan. He couldn't reach out and experience mm. it. He had to sort of look out the hotel window, then he get back on the bus and fly back. That must be so surreal and also very frustrating. Being yeah. literally in Japan and not be able to touch it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just so oh, sad, no. but you think. With people being vaccinated, certainly outside Japan, that uh, you know they would kind of let it off if you've been vaccinated. But I don't know. I suppose it becomes a slippery slope at that point. I think um, a lot can, of I think can't. some 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 footballers who are heading from the Euros to um, the Olympics. It's really long season for uh, a couple of God, footballers yeah. in the Spanish team. Um, obviously, the, the Olympics uh, teams are invariably um, players who are under 23. Uh, mm. But in the Spanish uh, ranks, there are quite a lot of under 23 players. So they're going straight from the Euros to uh, to Japan. And, and there's actually been a couple of J-League teams that have signed um, uh, players who are playing in the Olympics. But it's been discovered that that doesn't because it's quite hard to import players at the moment because you can't you literally can't enter the country to sign anything you can't enter the country to, to actually come and play football. Um, but they they thought it might be a loophole if they signed people who were already playing in the Olympics. <laughs> so they're like, oh, they're already here now, so they could just uh, they can just um, play football for us now. Um, but apparently, <laughs> the Olympic pass doesn't give you carte blanche to stay there for any length of time. So, oh well, never mind. God damn it. Oh, it's such a shame. Oh, yeah, it's such a shame, really, how it's all played out, to be honest, and mm. uh, a shame that Sucks. there's been another surge in cases. But mm. at least Japan's moving on with the vaccine effort, and it does look like finally there's like an end in sight now. Um, most people here, we've we've all been very frustrated with the rollout of vaccines while everyone else has mm. got it. Uh, but finally, Japan has picked up the pace, and I do potentially foresee a possibility where they could open up Japan in the last two months of the year like November, you December. Reckon? I think there's a possibility. I think mm. it's it's still kind of 50-50, but it's gone from like 80% no to 50% no, I would say. Mm. Because by November, most of the country's population will have been vaccinated. Um, right. But we will see. We've, it's always good to be cautiously optimistic at this point. Um, it is indeed. Who knows? Yeah. It is indeed. But uh, some good news for you, Pete. I know you love your fax machines. That's what, that's what this podcast is all <laughs> about, retro technology. And uh, recently, bureaucrats in Japan, uh, I think the Prime Minister, decided that it was time to say goodbye to the humble fax machine because, believe it or not, they are still used here in quite a lot of offices. Certainly the school where I used to teach English, they had a fax machine. We lived and died by the humble fax machine. And 
in a video we did last year with my good friend Alex, real estate guy. He, uh, he he has a fax machine in his office that he has to use to message and send letters about real estate. So they are very much used in Japan still. Mm. I know we joke about it, but like they're very much here. Um, so they tried to get rid of it. The Prime Minister, uh, Suga-san, Yoshihide Suga, decided to try and get rid of it. But there's been a sort of rebellion of uh, top figures and uh, uh, across the country a lot of uh, government offices have decided, no, it's, they've sort of come back and said, no, it's impossible. We're not getting rid of the fax machine. And the backlash has forced the government to abandon its mission to turn officialdom into a digital-only operation. So this digital-only idea that they're trying to roll out has been stopped mm. dead in its tracks, and the humble fax machine lives to die another day and uh, could be here for another <laughs> few years. So swings and roundabouts. <laughs> How do you feel about that, Pete? Oh, well, he obviously um, he obviously stopped people from using the uh, Hancock seals and documents, which, yeah, which yeah. obviously makes uh, makes sense. But um, yeah, there's just so many of them around it, and, and that's one of the surprises you sort of see in like uh, the big cameras and stuff. Um, not only do you see like the incredible, uh, the advanced washing machines that only Japan seems to have, you also have um, just like flaws upon flaws of bloody fax machines that do different stuff. They're so advanced yet so simple. I mean, I, I've still never used a fax machine. I've never still dialed in the number and done it. I don't know how to mm. use it. It's a weird thing. <laughs> but uh, I'm glad. I'm glad they're getting rid of those uh, the Hanko stamps. And uh, but there's this sort of mentality in Japan that uh, it's just very hard to get things done sometimes. And seventy five percent of executives, small to medium enterprises, said that uh, they wanted to get rid of the Hanko stamp because it's just so damn annoying. But they mm. also said, I think like fifty sixty percent said it would be very difficult to sort of end the practice. No, it isn't. Just put the Hanko stamps in the bin. <laughs> do it. I'll bring the fucking bin. I mean, It means nothing. It. It's like, you can you can forge a Hanko stank, stamp, presumably. <laughs> <laughs> Hanko stank. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, a, scented, a scented stamp. I, uh, I'm glad to see them go, but I, I feel like it'll be a sad day when the fax machine's gone because then we'll have to rebrand the entire end segment of these podcasts, and I don't know what we'd call it. If not the fax machine, then what would we call it, Pete? No, oh, I don't know. Yeah, if, if the fax machine goes, what we're going to have to have, to have a new. We should have the email box, which email isn't box. as interesting oh, to God. me, quite frankly. That'd be depressing, it? <laughs> but at least it lives to fight another day, and our beloved fax mm. machine section does as well. We'll be diving straight into it right after this break. Join me. Jaguar, the host of BBC Introducing Dance on Radio 1 for my brand new podcast, Utopia Talks. It's a reactive platform to discuss issues that my generation care about in dance music culture and the wider world. I'll be talking to some of the biggest names in dance music, including people like Heidi. The lineups do not need to be 99% male-driven. Mm. There's all these interesting new producers and women that are coming through. You know, all sorts. Yeah. It's like women are speaking out now. And the sensational Bless Madonna. I feel like literally my entire life has led up to this. This is the first event we've had like this, not just in the UK, but really in the Western Hemisphere. And to be able to be here with all of these people who are so happy is just absolutely the biggest, highest joy of my life. As well as having the meaty conversations I often have with friends that I'd love you to join in with. 
There's so much new energy coming out of the pandemic, and there's so many like new nights and festivals, yeah. and everyone's really pushing for this new structure where people genuinely don't feel anxious、mm-hmm. about coming to a club night because of the way they look or the way they dress. It's more about everyone in. To me, Utopia is a perfect moment. It's togetherness. It's the future. I want to live in a more inclusive, equal world, and I hope this podcast will build a community and help create change. Subscribe now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you like to get your podcasts. New episodes dropping every Wednesday. Welcome to Utopia Talks. Utopia Talks is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. And we're back. It's time to dive into our beloved fax machine. What do we got this week from our listeners, Mr. Dawson? Jason's kicking us off with a message saying the following: You mentioned on the podcast you won Robot Wars, Chris, with your dad, where he nearly won the first season. <clears throat> If Robot Robot Wars was to come to Japan, who would be in your team, and what will your robot look like, and what would it be called? What was the robot that you guys、um, put cobbled together? The Robot Wars. It was.、Uh, it's called Killatron, and Killatron.、Uh, it was a giant wheelie bin lid. Um, it's like a, <laughs> like a, a dumpster, basically. It made of very thick plastic. They're very tough,、yeah. and it was, I think it had six wheels on it and a pickaxe. And、uh, <laughs> it was very popular the first couple of seasons because it was like、hmm. the early days of Robot Wars, which was a show in the late nineties in the UK where engineers built robots and then destroyed them in mere moments. Literally months of effort <laughs> vaporized in seconds. But、um, yeah, everyone was very crude in the early seasons. It was just a weapon on、hmm. some wheels. And then they <laughs> discovered that the key was just to have a robot that flipped other robots over, or something with a spinner on top that just shredded everything.、Right. Sort of took the fun out of it. But、um, <laughs> Jeremy Clarkson loved Jeremy Clarkson. He was the host on season one. He loved he loved our robot. He was he delighted to see. He loved Kilatron. <laughs> seeing the pickaxe bash through other robots is a clip of.、Uh, Jeremy Clarkson sort of praising my dad and his robot, which is a <laughs> classic scene. But、um, my weapon, it would just be Ryotaro strapped to some wheels, and then I would let other robots go to town on him and his face with、mm. their weapons. So it'd be less a weapon, <laughs> and it would just be like a, a way of surviving. So a robot that could survive it. It wouldn't be sexy. <laughs> just robots, <laughs> Ryotaro strapped to his back on a sort of wedge, a wedge-shaped robot, and then I、right. just. Let all the other robots have a piece of him, but almost like a sumo <laughs> ring. I think our robot will be the last one standing, and we、yeah. call it call it Tarasai BDSM boy. <laughs> Tarasai, like Ryotaro's Riot- nickname's Taro, so it's called Tarasai. Yeah, and that, okay. That's how you get it done. <laughs> upsetting, <laughs> an upsetting scene. <laughs> it would be, wouldn't it? But a rewarding one. We got one here from Ail, or Ail, eighteen、uh, years old from Israel. Hey, Chris and Pete, hope you're both doing well. I wanted to ask if you'd heard about the radioactive hybrid terror pigs that are emerging in the area surrounding the former Fukushima nuclear power plant. Unfortunately, Israel, like Japan, has many wild boars, and I was even attacked by a huge boar once, but I survived, thankfully, unharmed. At least these boars are not radioactive yet. Sorry for causing nightmares. <laughs> All the best, guys. Ail, and.、Uh, I I've never seen one of these wild boars, but when I was in the Fukushima wasteland,、uh, sort of the radioactive zone around all the degraded buildings, there is a scene where the guide、uh, Sasaki-san, I think his name was, and he he pointed towards a building that had been smashed to pieces, and I sort of said, "Oh, what's happened there? You know, have burglars come in to steal the shop?" And he said, "No,、mm. wild boars." And I was like, "Oh my god, radioactive wild boars! <laughs> the, the worst thieves, almost as bad a thief." 
as our listener from Ireland earlier on, taking the statues. Um, <laughs> what do you think, Pete? <laughs> Radioactive boars. Radioactive. I mean, it's it's very Fallout, isn't it? I love the video game Fallout, and I love uh, Death the uh, radio, radioactive hybrid uh, monsters that live on the wastelands. But, uh, yeah, I'm yet to encounter one of those in real life. I mean, <laughs> I'm not going to go out my way to meet one. We've had we've we've had like stories on this podcast where folks have gone up the Fushimi and Ari shrines and uh, mm. come face to face with a wild boar, and they're pretty dangerous. So if you do see one in Japan, the best thing to do is get away from the damn thing because they're mm. pretty violent and pretty unpleasant. But uh, a wide berth. Exactly. The good news is though, the old uh, radioactive uh, boars. The stu- there's a study found that uh, showed the hybrids did not display signs of mutation, despite being contaminated with up to 300 times the safe human dosage of uh, isotope cesium-137. So it's a lot of radioactivity, but at least there's no signs of mutation yet. But I'm surprised they haven't been killed off, you know, like they did with Chernobyl. And, um, and like the guy with the cow farm, was asked to do in the documentary uh he was mm. asked to kill off you know i think like 200 of his cows he's heard and he sort of said no so i'm surprised they haven't tried to dispose of the boars yeah well i mean look, if, if they're um if there's no if there's no threat for the wildlife um let them get on with it but obviously um they're, they're in a situation where they're just breeding and breeding and breeding i suppose um and, and no one's kind of keeping their numbers under control and you can't eat them you can't eat that boar <laughs> Absolutely. Send in Tarasite. Tarasite. Rotary on a <laughs> on a wedge. That'll sort it out. <laughs> Stop <Come> this. <laughs> uh, we got a message. Leave him alone. Uh, hi, Chris and Pete. Got a message from Aska. I uh, hope you guys are doing well. My name is Aska. Uh, in Japanese, it is, and Aska has written their name in, in Japanese. I didn't really need to explain that bit of the email, but uh, that's what Aska did. Uh, I'm a big, big fan from Indonesia. I've been following your channel since 2016, and now I have binged on all of your content, starting um, with your YouTube channel, podcast, and all of your collab videos with literally everyone. My question for Pete is, how is your new house, uh, Aska? It's very nice. I'm enjoying it immensely, and uh, everything's covered in glue. Uh, you should get a nice creative uh, strong zero imported from Japan. I don't think you need. I don't think you even need to. I think um, you can you can actually buy them in the supermarkets over here. Uh, I never do because it's disgusting. Uh, are you planning you to go on going to Japan soon? To. As soon as it opens up, Aska. I need you on Chris's video soon. We, we need you, Pete. My question for Chris is though: Are you going to create more content with the boys from Trash Taste? Like doing a podcast with all three of them in your podcast or just doing collab videos with all of them in your channel. You've covered Joy and Connor, only Gaunt remains. Many thanks from Indonesia. Stay safe. Well, Aska, good news is last week, just on Saturday, we did an episode on Trash Taste. So go and check it out. I got bullied for yeah. two hours. I don't know. <laughs> it was kind of fun, apart from the bullying. And <laughs> it was, yeah, it was good fun. <laughs> Admiring their massive studio that put my wardrobe to shame where I film mine. Mm. But no, we've got some, uh, I've got a, a series with Gonna, uh, Gonna. It's kind of like a combination of Connor and Gonna. Oh, that's a threat. <laughs> Gonna. Uh, you can take the piss out of me. It'll be a Gonna. <laughs> got one with Gonna um, called Wacky Weekend, where we're supposed to meet up every weekend, every once a month, sorry, over a weekend and do something profound and unpleasant. Uh, unfortunately, I think we can't do it this month because. Connor's moving apartments, but um, we're looking into it. But hopefully, we're going to do something in August, and it should be fun. Love to do something with Garn. He's a great guy, top man. As for Joey, I'm sure we'll do something for the 
the years out. <laughs> Why are you laughing? As for Joey. As for Joey. <laughs> still got the bloody last episode of Journey Across Japan to come out. Um, because I've been mm. filming lots of videos this last week, I've not had time to edit it, unfortunately. But it is coming out, so keep an eye out for that. But I'm sure we'll be doing plenty of stuff with the Trash Taste Boys before the year's out. And hopefully, whilst Pete might not be able to come to Japan, I am looking at going to the UK, um, hopefully in September. Fingers crossed. Lovely. So we could do something. We'll do. We'll just go to like a Japanese restaurant. Pretend we're in Japan. Yeah, it'll be the same. Strong zeros. <laughs> Japanese restaurant. And you'll have jet lag. Uh, the, 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 the shoe no. will be firmly on the other foot, and you'll have jet oh, lag. God. It's, it's, uh, no, I, you handle jet lag way better than I do. To be fair, <laughs> I'm like I'm just a write off. So, but we'll make it happen. We'll do something. Whether whether we have to Definitely. get Pete smuggled here or not, we'll do something. Keep the stories, Definitely. questions, comments coming into Born Japan podcast at gmail.com. We'll be back on Sunday, guys, to do it all over again. But for now, check out the Trash Taste special. Keep an eye out for the final episode of Journey Across Japan and Nagasaki later this week. But for now, guys, no matter where you might be, out in the big wide world, enjoy the rest of your week. We'll see you on Sunday to do it all over again on the Abroad Japan podcast. Bye for now. Ta-ta. Abroad in Japan is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.